Welcome to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. But I really like the way it sounds when I say Felicia. <laughs> so you must just like saying my name. I do like saying your name. I think you have an awesome name. I, I love your name as well. Really? Isn't that like an affirmation? <laughs> it is totally an affirmation. And I like the segue there. Oh, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> We're actually going to open this episode. Um with an affirmation that I feel is fitting for this moment in all moments, really. And it is, I am where I need to be and I am who I need to be in this very moment. The answers I am looking for are already within. Mm. The answers I am looking for are already within. So Mm. it seems to me like the work then becomes creating the conditions for the pathways to go inward to find the answers mm. because if one is like maybe just too cerebral only in their head mm-hmm. it might be hard to go inward to the heart mm. right? and if someone is maybe carrying a heavy heart mm-hmm. or regret of the heart it might be uninviting to go inward mm-hmm. I like how you how you said that I like how you framed it and it very much reminds me of my early experiences in grief mm. you know last week we talked about um, neonatal loss and what our journey had been mm-hmm. experiencing the double transition of our daughter. I tried to be as detailed as I could um, in telling and sharing that story, sharing it because of the very reason why we're here, which is for reference. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember looking for a mother who had experienced a similar loss and I wanted to find those mothers and ask them like, what has been, their process mm. what has been the journey what has the journey been like what you know what resources do you have am I tripping for the way that I feel mm. you know um mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone in my in my circle in my community that was supporting me that had experienced a loss like this so it made it very difficult to hear and take their advice and all of the love that they were offering in honesty, it was it was kind of difficult to process. And so um, I'm happy that, you know, we have this opportunity to kind of share what our journey has been for anyone who may be looking. Mm-hmm. I remember, like I said, I was on that end of it. And so we talked about that last week, right? We talked about the journey and we didn't spend much time talking about the processing of the grief, mm-hmm. especially like in that first that first couple of days or even the first month that felt like an entire day. But I can definitely with all honest, honesty, wholeheartedly say I did not want to go in. Mm, See, (laughs) I love, thank you for giving us that, that pathway, that experience. Uh, Because an affirmation, you know, unpacked is just kind of like a sentence. It's a statement. Mm. You have to like unpack the the wonder, the magic of it mm. to create the conditions for folks to go inwards. 
and first acknowledging that it's not easy to go inward and some folks don't desire to go inward. What's there? Right. Why go? Why go inward? Right. That's it's, it's where my pain unspeakable lives. Hmm. And what creates the conditions to go inward? Are, are the conditions created for everyone who are experiencing losses like this? Mm. It makes me think of like, uh, like what does it mean to form sacred space? Mm-hmm. What makes a space sacred enough and safe enough for one to go inward? Mm-hmm. Or even to express that they're not comfortable going inward? Right. Right. Um, the value of it? Yeah, but if the answer's... Some of what has happened in my experiences, as you are Kamayu's mother, and you first have this experience closest to the proximity of the day, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I recognize that your curiosity as a mother is piqued largely in part because of the some of the things I heard you express, right, around ownership, around fault around mm-hmm. love and protecting i think it's the it's it's the mother's desire to protect the child mm-hmm. by all means mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas i have found that my identity as your husband and as a father september 30th i couldn't protect you mm. i couldn't protect kamayu there was no agency in the part of my identity that was surrounding protecting and the safety and the well-being of my family I was unable to function in that area there was nothing I could do mm. so it immediately kind of sent me in a I guess that might have been the first invitation inward who could help me? Was nobody to save me? Hmm. Wasn't nobody to change it? Wasn't nobody to stop time? There was no one present. No phone call. Mm-hmm. No brother, no father, no mentor, no mother. Not even a praying mother could save me. Mm. So therein began my journey inward. Mm. As I began to ask God, what, what are you requiring of me? Mm. I remember that question. What are you requiring of me? Because I don't know if I even started processing grief right away, but I started to process my reality. Mm-hmm. And I was aware that I didn't lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And I was aware that I wasn't, you know, grabbing doctors and demanding what happened. Like all these things, mm-hmm. what you think your mis- response might be, Mm-hmm. in the event of the now context I didn't see it coming no one saw it coming so there was no way to prepare for it so there was no way to know what my response was going to be mm-hmm. because that was not the plan mm-hmm. but if I think about what it means for my wife to be well for our child to be well this was so far outside of my reach mm. and asking God what did he require of me I think was one of the first steps inward because get this that message wasn't going to come through somebody else (laughs) I was going to have to be silent enough to hear Mm. but it was incredibly complicated to hear 
in the same room, in the same setting, where the grief was thickest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was hard to hear Mm -hmm. looking at your face. Mm -hmm. So there was this introduction, if you will. All right, this is, wow. Wow, what a recollection of the day. Mm -hmm. So in my desiring, God, what are you requiring of me? If I could be still enough to listen, I would. But my job, my first job after protection, I'm the lead servant. Mm. So I have to make sure that I am present to take care of you. There is a medical team to do what the medical team does, but they don't have the capacity to hold you. Mm -hmm. They don't have the capacity for emotional support Mm -hmm. the way you require. Mm -hmm. So my identity became service. But how do I even begin to approach or even serve my wife, my friend from, I guess that is called childhood. We weren't adults. <laughs> we were adolescents. Mm-hmm. But how do I begin to serve you when I understand the broken heart that you just experienced? Mm. What does caring for you look like? I think that was the beginning, the introduction to radical gentleness. Mm. Hmm. It was, how do I use my strength? to serve you with mm-hmm. endurance mm-hmm. in the most gentle way mm-hmm. that I could imagine in the most gentle way you require. Now, I want to ask you, how were you able to identify that as a next step? Which step is the next step? Caring for me with such gentleness. Because you and I both experienced this double transition. We experienced the loss together. And I was unable to take an invitation to even ask myself any questions, ask God any questions, go inward anywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. But there was there was something that led you to going inward. You saw the value of it. There's something that you understood about that process that allowed you to do that one. And in doing that, decide that okay I'm I am offering my my wife my partner my friend my childhood friend this gentleness Mm -hmm. there's something about it that you understood you didn't have to do that and I don't know if that is even a pathway of processing for most people who are experiencing grief my experience has been previously in loss with family members we see it all the time there are so many things that come up. There are arguments. There are this trying to even, uh, I'm, and I'm trying to find the right words. I want to be as accurate as possible. But there's conflict that can happen amidst family members when they are experiencing a loss and they each have their own relationship with the person that is lost, that they have lost, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of weight that there's put on the relationships. And you very much had, a relationship, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it, it seems like, in my opinion, there is this uh, comparison of what this relationship looks like that happens amongst people. And that's where, like, the conflict arises. It's, the conflict comes from many places. Yeah. Uh, the desire to be present, the unspoken words, the, the finality mm-hmm. that, that you have to confront when someone transitions. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to reconcile that 
um, when you thought you had more moments. Maybe not even forever, but you you just believe deeply you had more moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all these conflicts can arise in a space where there is loss. And I'm clear, right? For an example, I've heard conversations that look like, I mean, yeah, that was that was her husband, that but that was my daddy. <laughs> it'd, mm-hmm. it'd be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to identify. I get it. I get it. Um, you asked a question of me prior to <laughs> those descriptors. No, it's okay. <laughs> You asked the question of me prior to those descriptors. You asked me, how did I even know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How did I know? Hard to name what informs that exclusively because of my work in grief, because of my work around loss. Mm-hmm. But I also remember there was no one who could save me when I lost my brother in 2014. Mm. There was no one I could call to make it better. There was no better. Mm. Eating felt like guilt. Mm-hmm. Even meeting a daily necessity, aside from resolving my feelings, everything felt empty. Mm. And that was for months on end. So when you contextualize some of the spaces that I've been concerning loss, mm-hmm. concerning the unresolved, mm-hmm. two things happen around. I also want to address like the conflict, Mm -hmm. but I also want to talk about what made me serve you. Based upon what I'd seen about loss Mm -hmm. concerning mothers who lost children Mm -hmm. to gun violence, that was actually my only prior reference. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know much about neonatal loss before my own experience. I don't know if I even had that language, but I've just seen the world mistreat and mishandle mothers in grief. Mm. And that wasn't about to be the case with you. <laughs> I wasn't about to stand by mm-hmm. while someone mishandled you. Mm-hmm. So I involved myself primarily in your care so that I wouldn't be an outsider to any conversation concerning your health. Mm-hmm. So I had close and intimate conversations with the doctors. Mm-hmm. I connected myself to every person concerning your care. Mm-hmm. your wellness because it was also going to be my responsibility to advocate for you so I just positioned myself to be informed and to be close to you not only to hear what you needed but to see you and watch you mm-hmm. so that I can be observant to see what you needed maybe before you found the words to say it so I just developed this very watchful <laughs> lens mm-hmm. And the touch you required, mm. the care you required. And, you know, I, I remember the first couple of days, but I don't have an accurate account of how long. Because I, I said this already, and I'll say it again. Like, Kamayu was born September 30th, and October felt like one day. It really did. It felt like one day for me. And... um. Kariga would get up long before me, but he would stay in bed until I woke. He would wait for me to rise mm-hmm. and and to see what it was that I needed or to be accessible for however my grief showed up in the morning because mornings were hard. Sunsets were hard. Sunrises. The start of a new day as, as a reminder that the time is continuing to move on. And the end of the day as a reminder that time 
still knows to move on. And um, mm. I think that is, I, I name that as one of the first and earliest forms of gentleness that I believe I've received from you. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, I make note of that here for anyone else who is maybe even experiencing a loss similarly to this. I was asked not too long ago how it felt to have Kariga as my support in in loss. And it was a very difficult conversation for me to answer because I have no reference for otherwise. We've known each other for so long. But on those types of days, he he was my buoy in deep water or he could even be my guiding light. He could be my moon. Mm. Mm. I'm grateful for what you understood about grief and, and loss, but it, it it also hurts that you had to understand it. And by way of you understanding through witnessing other mothers who have grieved their children mm-hmm. and they didn't have the same support system or resources or acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. They didn't have um, tales of their what their sons did mm-hmm. or their daughters did that had you know touched the lives of many people. Mm-hmm. Somehow the narrative gets kind of changed to make sense to the person who's observing their process. Right? Because of what we've been taught about yeah. violence, mm-hmm. intercommunal violence, what we've been taught about gun violence. Mm-hmm. The way some parents, and I'm talking the black experience, the way that some believe that there is a level of education that exists in a neighborhood that exists that provides a certain level of safety mm. uh, from the assumed threat of gun violence. But what we've also come to learn is that it crosses barriers, it crosses class, mm-hmm. all depending on who the assailant is. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can't really find any part of that safety the way you desire. And when you realize that we're all, I guess, subject to these experiences, you start to develop the lens and the empathy that says, you know what? No mother should even have to wrestle the idea of what her son's or daughter's role was. They should just be allowed to grieve. But people, their brains try to put together the story. And you, know, you watch this happen over and over again. But when we talk about radical gentleness in this case and, and us building a bridge of uh, radical gentleness uh, for all mothers who have experienced the loss of their children, no matter mm-hmm. um, how that was arrived, mm-hmm. I just want to let y'all know in real time we're having this conversation in the home, in our home, and I'm looking at a photo of us uh, taken by our brother Kevin Allen. I invited him to the crib one day to help document um, the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I think about the the foot baths that I would run for you, right? <laughs> I would fill up the blue bucket with mm-hmm. Epsom salt and warm water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And maybe a little bit of essential oils. Uh-huh. And we would have some time on the couch. Yeah. I'd rub your feet and your ankles, right? Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I was doing that because I wanted to 
deepen my understanding and pathway of what intimacy is in my marriage and in my relationship so that I can um, fulfill it more bountifully. That there were all these types of moments where we could share intimacy mm-hmm. and learning to define that and explore that for ourselves. But I remember then what I thought about pregnancy and how much I didn't understand, even though we went to all the classes together. <laughs> um, I just thought Curl that... was a class clown in the classes, oh, you, No. Oh, no. Yes, oh, he was. No. He oh, was a no. class clown in the oh, classes. No. I'm just naming Listen, it and putting it I out there. I have documentation. If anybody wants to see Felicia a class cutting clown. up in the birth parenting classes... Nope, not me. Oh, yes. I was paying attention, oh. taking intent notes. Well, paying attention isn't hard to do. When and, and as evidence of Karika talking about, he has documentation. That means he was not paying attention. He was documenting me oh, paying no. attention. Oh, no. Absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. It is actually quite easy. It is actually quite easy to read the passage, synthesize it, understand <laughs> it, and have a I few minutes. I bet it is for you. Yeah, and have a few minutes left to I document. I bet it is for you. Okay. F- finish, finish your sentence. My bad. <laughs> but in all of this, I'm trying to learn what it is to be an expecting father. Mm-hmm. and you guys saw the video uh, we're having a baby Bailey girl Yeah. so in my mind I was so excited to bring a baby girl into this world who would be able to see a model of love that was healthy mm-hmm. non-judgmental a father and a mother who loved deeply inside their home but also outside their zip code mm-hmm. I just thought this is what a black girl deserved to see her parents in lead servitude. When you just really understand, like you you raise them, you love them, but ultimately the impact you have on the world outside their door is going to have a far greater variance on who they are. Not just exclusively what you do for them inside the house. Mm -hmm. You have to go shape the world that they're going to experience. Right? Mm -hmm. You can't save them inside the house. So these are all the steps that I was making in my mind as a father-to-be of a black girl coming into this world. (laughs) How was her daddy showing up in the community? What type of respect and love did he have in the community? Mm. Who did he love in the community? Mm -hmm. Because she would pay very close attention to who I loved and who I demonized. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Who I thought was less deserving of love. Come she would on. pay attention to that. So if the narrative of like black love and 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 black liberation is gonna be interconnected, she'd have to see me love all of us. Hmm. But she'd have to see me love her mother at a higher level differently. So I was practicing. Hmm. I was practicing for what I thought it would be to be Kamayu's father. And the gentleness that I was learning during the pregnancy, I planned to continue. Yeah. But nothing continued as planned. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I was not going to replace the gentleness that I had been serving to you all through this pregnancy. That wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so I had to figure out how to evolve it, how to hold it, and how to show up for you. It was all part of my plan to be there for you in that way. That wow. taught me the beginning i remember how much i relied on god for wisdom to how to show up for you it makes me think about this when did grandma transition 
Karim was 2014, so Karim was 2013, right? Because she was, yeah, yeah, she was, yeah. So Karim was 2013, and uh, I remember when the cancer got most severe, and I was requiring, I was required to carry her in the wheelchair and load her in and out the car. Beautiful. And I remember using all my strength, all my size, all my might to do it as gently as I could. (laughs) Think of an acrobat. They are incredibly strong and they use every single fiber, every muscle Mm -hmm. to do this very delicate balancing act. That's what it felt like. So I used all my competencies from caring for my grandmother Caring for my brethren's mother, right? I remember coming to serve Orville and his family. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what the spectrum of life shows you. Mm-hmm. Coming up, I heard a saying that would say, once a man, twice a child. Just referring to the gentleness that a baby needs and that our elders need. Mm-hmm seeing you be strong and running miles and being healthy and then watching you be so very vulnerable without the ability to care for yourself or get up. You just had a major surgery. My mother has been in the medical field for years. Mm -hmm. Phlebotomy in home patient care. Mm -hmm. And you know what her patients have always said about her, right? They don't want anybody else touching her, touching them, mm-hmm. but Sharon, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I use everything I've ever seen, everything I've ever known about showing up for people in need. Yeah. I used everything, and God gave me the rest because I did not know what to do. I wish that I wish I had more words in this moment for how you described what you had to offer. More than I'm grateful, more than gratitude, more than thank you, more than man, I am I'm I'm still in this moment receiving all of the words you just said. And I know them to be true, right? I'm, I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm, but it's something about hearing that process of understanding how you got here. And it makes me want to ask you, you know, what does radical gentleness then look like? You know, I love the example that you provide of an acrobat. That's such a beautiful, concrete example I think that we all can understand. But what does that look like in someone else's brain? Wow. Your question just provided this amazing illustration just now. Mm. You said, what does it look like? And you brought in the example of what I used in the acrobat, correct? Mm -hmm. 
And then there's this like there's this um, saying, this colloquialism of some sort, right? It usually happens when people ain't about to do it, right? <laughs> like I'm not about to jump through loops for you, <laughs> right? They say I'm not about to jump through loops, or I've jumped through loops. I've bent over backwards. Ooh, right? come on, Riga. These are all the language people use to describe themselves of trying their most, trying their best, or what yeah. they're not about to do. Yeah. But if I'm drawing the illustration of an acrobat mm-hmm. who do bend over backwards, mm-hmm. who do jump through hoops, mm-hmm. all for our satisfaction, right? Yeah. They produce this show that we find enjoyable and it tours and it goes all over. I was absolutely willing to jump through hoops. I was absolutely willing to bend over backwards. Mm. And I think that radical gentleness looks like the the art of the impossible perceived mm-hmm. right what acrobats do they they defy what we thought was once possible and they show us something new mm. right like we never imagined that someone could do a catapult flip and land on somebody's shoulders you know five human beings high mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they show us that we can't they show Ooh. us that it's possible but there's a level of dedication and practice and repetition that it takes for them to be able to perform at that level. I think what I'm trying to illustrate is that radical gentleness then becomes this pattern, this dedication, this repetition of defying what used to be seen as impossible and now being seen as possible because it is possible for us to care so deeply for one another that we bend over backwards. It is possible for us to care so deeply for one another that we would jump through hoops. It's possible. And there are even examples of people who are uh, phenomenal acrobats and they will say, my mother and my father met in this specific, specific uh, production. Right? I don't want to call it a circus. Yeah. But they met in this production. Yeah. And this child was, they, they, they were um, socialized yeah. under seeing these conditions, these types of flips over and over again. Right? Come on, Rick. And then they also understood what the nutrition should be if one were to be that acrobat because they have very um, restricted nutrition to Mm -hmm. maintain the body composition. Mm -hmm. And all I'm saying is that is the level of dedication and possible Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about when I'm talking about radical gentleness, the dedication, the repetition, the pre-work, the pre-work is your meals, what you eat, but the pre-work also informs on what you say to a mother who is grieving. Because you've done some work on yourself. So the thing is, it doesn't become about your comfort. Mm. You've signed yourself up to make the world more accessible for that parent in grief. So I think, yeah, I think there's this, go ahead. No, I I love how you painted that picture. And and really, I want to hone in on the part where you talk about an acrobat and one who catapults on someone else's shoulders and then you see it again and now there are two there are three people then there are four then there are five right this is for me in my life experience I have never seen anything like that right Mm -hmm. so having not seen it I would not know that something like that could happen or even exist my pathway of processing does not know how to understand that Mm. right but rather than 
use just my brain based on my experiences that tells me that that is not possible when in fact it is possible. I love how you put that together because that's, I think that's what's happening in our heads, right? It's this, it's this cognitive pathway of processing that leads us to certain choice, choice behaviors, right? Whether we say something with compassion or we say something with comparison, right? Mm -hmm. It is preceded by our beliefs and our perceptions of things and how we've been socialized, what our experiences have looked like growing up in different, um, different milieus. All of these things inform whether I am choosing to be compassionate or if I'm choosing to compare. It's so easy to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and for me, as I'm listening, it's not even a judgment on folks who were not able to see my story with compassion or or someone else's and offer a comparison rather or you know it's it's all it's so natural for our brains to do this kind of work but i love the example that you just gave Mm. because it's evidence of just because it didn't follow in our cognitive pathway right Mm -hmm. in our experience um of living breathing being in, in the places that we have and, you know, and, and shaping our beliefs and our efficacies and um, even how we perceive others perceive us, you know? Yeah. Um, You're naming something really key. Insofar as we leave room to remember, to understand, mm. we need room to remember, to understand, that there are experiences that we have not yet seen, nor do we understand. We just have to remember that there is this sliver of life <laughs> that we have not seen or understand, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's impossible or has not happened. Yeah. And when we are connected, mm-hmm. stories like this live, mm-hmm. and it begins to produce in someone's head, their heart, the possibility of what we're talking about. Mm. See, the thing is, this this production, this podcast, this reference that we're creating, mm-hmm. I'm hoping it it starts to spin the wheels and creates the idea that what we're talking about is real, right? Mm-hmm. That it's not a fairy tale, but the idea, I, what I also know is that we don't have room to process grief in this society. That so, part. so it becomes very clear why someone would then offer comparison rather than compassion, because if they themselves have not received the compassion around loss, yeah. then it's supposed to accelerate one's healing yeah. right yeah which is why we have this um hyper focus on healing yeah insofar as uh some believe it's it's the it's it's what directly precedes loss yeah and then you have experts on healing yeah right and then but we see this acceleration toward healing mm-hmm. because there has not yet previously been space made for people mm-hmm. to stay in their grief mm-hmm because there have not been those conditions, yeah. but we're here to remind folks that grief is sacred, Yeah. right? And that work on oneself is noble work. Yeah. We saw how quickly titles and and roles in society, we saw how those things disappeared amongst the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that this can serve as a reminder that work on oneself is noble work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
work on one's heart is noble work. Absolutely. Being with the grief is noble work. I say it. It's a double tragedy to experience grief and miss the growth it offers. Mm. Right? Just the loss alone is, I, I just, that's a double tragedy. Um, and, and the growth doesn't have to look like a rush to happiness mm-mm. or a rise above where you are currently standing in your grief. I ask, how deep do you want the roots to go? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. There's all types of things happening beneath the surface long before that tree even peeks out. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about letting grief grow us, mm-hmm. that means that we are not talking about making an artificial implementation to how that grief grows. Yes. Right? We don't want genetically modified grief. <laughs> For real, like because because then the You're right. because I don't want the, no GMO grief, but I also don't want the joy from that from that artificial growth. I don't want to reach on the tree and pull off an artificial Ooh. artificial piece of joy, because the crash that comes from the artificial happiness and the yeah. joy back yeah. into the grief can be punishing. Yes, it can, and then it can make you afraid to be happy again. Yes, it can, because the last time you reached for the premature fruit, you crashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, however, I like to subscribe to. The part of Isaiah when it talks about beauty for ashes. But my favorite, <laughs> I think, my favorite portion, though, for real, for real, is the oil of joy for the morning. The oil of joy. When I found that, because everybody kept telling me beauty for ashes. That kept Ooh, happening all over so so, social it. media. And I kept rejecting it because I'm like, mm, this don't feel beautiful yet. Yep. And, right. and that and I'm really quick and don't lose your thought. Yeah, yeah. But that is that is what some of the comparison had looked like. Right. Because that may have worked for you as you were trying to understand what it was that we just experienced yeah. rather than make room for what our experience ah. was. That's what I'm, I want to so name. Yeah, so you, Go ahead. Comparison. So you gave me a quick scripture, right? Because that's what, what was given to you yes. in the path of your grief. Yes. Right? yes. But what I'm saying is, no, see, I already prayed and I already was reading. So that scripture is not working for me. And that one particularly, the one that y'all all keep offering, <laughs> I don't want it. Right. So keep it. But, I went on to read for myself mm-hmm. and the very next scripture that followed was the oil of joy for morning. And I said, that's more like it for me mm. because I know what it is to be pressed, mm. right? Pressed on all sides, but not crushed. Mm-hmm. So the little bit of joy that I experience, whenever it comes, I welcome it because I know that I've been pressed and it's just a little bit of joy. It's a little bit of oil, but you know, the oil, when it's saturated, when it's good, do a lot with it Mm -hmm. so this is this is like the pathway i I do want us i do want you to um there is something uh from there that i want you to pull but before we get there i want to say i'm now like because of your questions i found cognitive pathways that i have not explored (laughs) and i think back to listen to this y'all and i'm and imagine like the dance that's happening between felicia and i See if I can paint this real quick. She has faith. I married her. She already knew God for herself. If y'all saw the Black Love episode, y'all know that I had to go to church to see her. And I was ready to tell her, God, and her mom, look, we're going to have to do this some other way. Because I already been to church three times this week. Well, trying to. I knew church for sure. <laughs> right, but listen, but I already went to church three times this week trying to see this girl. Mm-mm. So, but she had her own faith. She had her own experiences. And 
she could ask God whatever question she wanted. And God would not be intimidated by her questions. And if you know Felicia, she asked good questions. Me, on the other hand, Fee, mm-hmm. in that loss, you know that conflict that you talk comes about around loss that yeah. we've seen happen in families? Yeah. I remember on day one, day one, I told the devil, there's nothing here for you. Mm. Nothing. This ain't got nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. If you think that my loss is about to have you pull up in a room beside me and start asking questions to make me deviate because I've already seen the deviation. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I be, it was days at a time where all I wanted was retaliation. Yeah. So I just knew I didn't. And I know folks have all these different like perceptions of the enemy. Keep it a buck. I don't know what he looked like, but <laughs> I know when that spirit shows up. Yeah. So I made a hedge of protection around my family. Said, "There's nothing for you here." Mm. I remember that early, but when I go back to radical gentleness, mm-hmm. you know, that's also the name of the poem that I wrote. That was one of the earliest pieces of creation. That's right. And the very first lines of radical gentleness, the poem says, "This past year, being an angel parent has taught me to praise God as He stretches me. No different than I would praise Him as He's blessing me." I had to interrogate my ability. Like, would I would I be would I be fearful? Would I be would I be would I be uh, timid about it? Could I still give you praise while you were stretching me? Could I do? Could I reach in and have that type of courage? So these were my. That's what my experiences were shaping up around me. Mm. How would I stand on it? Mm. Wow. Thank you for naming all of those things. And um and I'm glad we were also able to kind of make clear too like what unknowingly comparison can look like when you are intersecting with someone who is experiencing grief. Mm-hmm. Um some of the words that you can say to offer uh, some kind of, I don't know, peace. They're all they're well intentioned. They're they're sent with love, but sometimes they don't land from where they're sent. Yeah, they're vastly different. Vastly different. They can be, absolutely. And for in my experience, the griever, they're just evidence for me of um, what you understand based on your life experience, your lived experiences. Um, but it is a lot of emotional labor when you're standing in grief to have to navigate that. Mm, thank you for naming that. And, um, but I also, even though I, I, I acknowledge those pieces of it, um, I see them as important to acknowledge because I know that there are a lot of mothers and people who, are, who have experienced loss, who have had to hear words that have not been so comforting, or they, um, like you said, it's, they're offering you the same verse that you've heard um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, God has a plan. Uh, <laughs> all of these different things, right, mm-hmm. that um, may fit for the person sending the message but don't necessarily fit for the person who is experiencing the loss. I name those because I, not to dwell there but to acknowledge that that too happens. And I also name the experience of 
being a partner to Kariga, who has understood through his various experiences with grief of his students, with grief of his brother, um, the gentleness that has been been offered to me. I um, want to offer an affirmation that I feel is fitting uh, to this process of accessing the radical gentleness that we all may not have necessarily seen practice on us, but it does exist. It is a real thing. It requires practice. It requires practice, and I think that this affirmation fits that of what that looks like in the practice, and it is love as a philosophy is much easier than love as a practice, but when we choose to practice love, it will challenge our philosophy and change the way that we respond to what challenges us. Today, I choose to practice love. If you have your soul affirmations, soul affirmations text, I'm going to ask you to turn to page 16. Wow. Turn to your neighbor, tell him it's page 16. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. Don't, don't turn to me and don't, and don't touch me. <laughs> do, touch them, but with consent. I do not give you consent. With consent. <laughs> but no, listen. Love as a philosophy is much easier than love as a practice. Mm -hmm. When we choose to practice love, it will challenge our philosophy and change the way we respond to what challenges us. Mm. Today, I choose to practice love. So I am asking that um, we center ourselves here and think about the practice of love. It is not just what you know. There is a world of gentleness beyond what you know. And if you attend to the practice of love each day, each day with repetition the same way an acrobat does Mm -hmm. if you attend to it with the Mm pre-work and the nutrition the same way acrobat does Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that you will become a bridge and perhaps you can begin to bend over backwards and bridge the worlds between those who feel invisibilized by their grief Mm -hmm. and those who are standing present in the abundance of the moment I want to imagine a world where we all begin to build bridges of access. Maybe from the little bit of joy we have today to someone who feels like they haven't seen in a long time. Mm. You don't need to compare or even rush them, but just show them them love. Mm -hmm. Um, Have the courage to learn more about uh, their experiences. Have the courage to make yourself a student of of the practice of love. It doesn't have to just go the way you, you render. Yeah. I think about all the people, when I think about radical gentleness and all the ways it presents, mm-hmm. I think about all the people who showed up for us with meals Ooh. because cooking was their love language. Yep. I think about the people who showed up with flowers because mm-hmm. um, that was their love language. I was going to ask you, Kariga, what does love as a practice look like? Um, I think about the people who um, called not to say anything, mm. but to listen to see if there was anything just to listen i think about people who, who came by to help with um the keep of the house yep um the people who just sat with me yeah just came to sit to be with i think about um our church who made provision yep who actually paid for our therapy yep put us in therapy before the state could even do it mm-hmm. um I think about um, the people who wrestled uh, to f- before they called. 
because it was hard to <laughs> put into words what they were trying to say. I think about the people who um, made deposits into our sent us groceries. Oh man! Right, like delivered groceries. Grocery delivery. I think about the people who sent us to spas and all all the different ways. And what I'm saying is like the gentleness is just it's the practice of showing up um, and allowing yourself to be allow it allow it to challenge your philosophy so you can change the way you respond to what challenges us. The fact of the matter is grief challenges all of us. Yes. And grief is love. So if we are practicing love, it will challenge our philosophy and change the way we respond to what challenges us. I'm hoping that this creates the invitation for us to show up differently for folks in grief, ourselves included. May we all love more abundantly. Thank you for spending time with us today. Yes, thank you for joining us. Another another episode. I really richly enjoyed this one. Mm -hmm. So thank you for coming by Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Karina. <laughs> Karina and Felicia. And we also want to remind you, please rate, review, uh, subscribe, leave us some love. We thank you for just listening to us. We thank you for holding space for us in your hearts. Uh, we thank you for practicing radical gentleness with us. Yes. Big love.